0: to another episode of the Woods Water Mizzou Podcast. I'm on your regular coast. Skeeter, along with me tonight, as usual, is Case. How you doing, Case? Good. Case, we have a special guest. Uh, Cole is traveling back from Colorado. Went up there to see some family and friends, so he's not able to make this episode. But we had a little bit of a Twitter war uh, from a fellow... Mizzou podcast, probably the most popular Mizzou podcast. Godfather uh, Mizzou podcast. Yes, uh, probably our favorite for sure. I know we're all three listeners. All three had uh, voicemails played uh, on there. So reached out, DM'd uh, Mazodcast and Brendan uh, with Mazodcast is on with us live from Faroe Field. It even looks like he got drink to leave the stadium lights on for us.
1: Oh yeah, we record uh, in a tunnel uh a mile below the road field, <laughs> it's a secret bunker. So uh, we're always able to sneak up here and find the light switch. So yeah, thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it.
2: Pleasure's all ours.
0: Yeah, uh so let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Last week on the Mazad cast, you know, he all kind of ruffled some feathers, especially stepped on our toes over here at the Woods Water Mizzou. You had a take about venison Uh, when you got into, you got into Kansas news and, you know, they were having their squirrel hunting class and I guess they're going to go through the whole process of hunting them, processing and cooking them. And y'all kind of went on a little tangent there and you made the remark about how venison is just not really up there on the list for you. So uh, let's discuss it.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, I feel a little bit um, on my heels because my brother, Colin, who co-hosts the show with us, I think he started the ball rolling. And he said, venison is okay. It's okay. And that's the best we can say about it because it's, uh, you know, gamey and uh, stringy and tough. And, you know, you can spend 12 hours marinating <laughs> tick-riddled meat that tastes okay at best so that you can disguise the terrible flavor or you can you know grill a burger for eight minutes and enjoy yourself much more and uh, you yeah, know i was in full agreement with him because uh i don't know yeah like you said we had a little twitter beef about it and uh you said well maybe you know in uh, in the city you can't find anybody to eat that <laughs> man you don't know when well, we we're from russellville missouri and i think we got a population of 670 folks and, uh, you know, deer hunting is a is a holiday in our part of the world. We're well familiar with venison, and I have eaten my fair share of venison. So I almost, in a way, feel sorry for you guys because you're just in a position where you cannot win this argument. Um, because it is crap meat. And, you, I, you know, I know it. I understand you love hunting, and, you, you know, it's a big part of it that you you eat what you kill. Uh, great. Do all you want of it because that saves more delicious beef for
2: me. <laughs> so, this is an interesting argument from my side because uh maybe in my opinion I, I can't lose the argument as well. Uh I am like third generation cattle farmers. Uh mm-hmm. so the beef business always good. That's what keeps the lights on. Um I I think I don't know. I th- I like the deer meat too. It's pretty lean. It's uh it's free. That's that's positive. You just fling an arrow through it and it's there. Um I don't know. I don't think it's as tough to get it not so gamey as uh as you make it make it out to be. You know, seasonings, I season everything. Beef can still be pretty bland, you know. Um, but you're right, it does eat acorns, It's uh, stayed out of acorns and whatever else falls on the ground. People they do have ticks. Do that. They do have ticks. Uh <laughs> just that's
1: more seasoning, you know.
2: That's more yeah. seasoning, yeah. Exactly. They pop more when flavor. you cook them.
1: You know, yeah, I get it. And I, I honestly, like, I lived out in Indiana a couple of years and they, you know, it's just nothing but corn and soybean fields out there and there's few trees to be had. So they lived on a steady diet of corn and it was less gamey. But I feel like the, the biggest devastating blow I can give to the venison is good argument. And, and you had backers. I don't know if you saw our, our listener, JD from Arkansas. He's, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's from Arkansas. Of course he eats roadkill, right? Like that is part of the deal. <laughs> um, but so the scary. biggest argument in, my, in our favor. And uh, like I said, the devastating blow is that you go to the grocery store and you'll go for the deer meat venison section and it just doesn't appear now. You can get fifteen thousand different types of bacon because bacon is good and people want it. But uh, when you go looking for squirrel meat, it's it just a little tougher to find, and that's because of you know supply and demand. Nobody wants to eat that garbage. Um, <laughs> look, if you're gonna kill a deer, eat the damn meat. Don't waste it. I get it, but like you gotta season the living shit out of it. You gotta put it in chili. You gotta do something with it so you don't know that you're eating. Deer. Um, and so you know, like I said, I I'm I don't begrudge anybody for eating venison. I even I've eaten lots of deer sticks and jerky and deer steaks, but uh you know, we're talking about you got a seasoned beef too. Like let's not mistake putting a little salt and pepper <laughs> on a ribeye, <laughs> a lot some butter in the pan with just like mixing it with mixing deer meat with 60 pork to make it taste good.
0: Now, uh so you obviously don't know this. Uh, I'm a resident of Arkansas. I was born and raised in Missouri, but I live in Arkansas now. Mm-hmm. So uh, JD and I are neighbors. But uh, uh, today at, at lunch, I fried up some backstrap off of a dough I I got two weeks ago, and my my only trick for getting rid of the gamey taste, and it's you're you're gonna say it's the marinating, whatever, but I soak it in salt water overnight and draw that blood out and you wouldn't have been able to tell it was deer from, from beef when I was eating it today, but it was really good. And I was biting my fingers at the end of the, of the plate there. So,
1: <laughs> Well, uh, you know, all seriousness, I got, like I say, I got no problem with it, but uh, if you put a, if you put a plate of beef in front of me or a plate of deer, I think I know which way I'm going to head it. And I think I've made my, <laughs> myself clear on the, on that.
0: Yeah. Well, so listening, uh, to y'all's podcast, I think y'all were kind of in the same mindset as Case at the beginning of the year. Uh, Case on the preseason prediction had us at seven and five. Like his expectations weren't real high. He just wanted to see a little bit of growth, a little bit of step forward. And I'll be honest, at the end of the middle of Tennessee State game, uh, going into Kansas State, I, pre- I had predicted us to go eleven and one in the preseason. Uh really had it ten and two in my notes. Seemed crazy at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I had it, at, it
1: still seems crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I had it I had it ten and two at my notes in pre-show because I had LSU as a loss, but after listening to Cole talk about LSU and he was agreeing with me that they aren't as good as they were portrayed. I changed that to a win during the show. So that's how I got to eleven and one. But after the middle of Tennessee state game, my expectations were down. Like, okay, this is You know, Case was right. Mazogcast was right. It's the same old drink. with the same Brady Cook, you know. But, boy, how the tides have turned. Uh, And, I mean, we're all eating a little bit of crow, I believe. Nobody really saw this coming. So, can you just kind of – you've been doing a podcast for Mizzou for about 10 years now. So, have you had a season like this where your expectations were – you know, almost bottom of the barrel going into the year to here we are week eight, week nine, sitting seven and one going into face Georgia.
1: No, there's never been a season like this. And, and we, you know, Colin and I, we couldn't have been more wrong because I walked into this season, I walked into, ended last season completely off of drinkwits. You know, I just felt like I'd seen all I needed to see from this guy and I was constantly frustrated that he never seemed to make changes, even when it was obviously apparent that changes needed to be made. He just did the same thing over and over and over again. And I just like, you know, I had no optimism. Now, I think I would have said seven and five. I think he said eight and four at one point. So it wasn't like I was thinking the sky was going to fall. But no. I did think the sky was going to fall two or three games into the season because we just looked bad. And like you said, it was just the same old Brady Cook. You know, torn labrum or no, it's the same boring offense. We kept calling Drinkwitz Conzo Wits because the boring offense that Konzo Martin had seemed like the same – Boring offense that Eli Drinkwitz was running, and people, you know, the the uh, Pollyannas and the optimists were saying, "No, they're just saving it all back for the big game, saving it all back." And I'm like, "Man, we nearly got beat!" But um, you know, yeah. like, this Memphis game, we almost got beat. How much do you want to save back? You got to win the games, you know. But no, I'd never seen anything like this. So it was just like a a switch got flipped, and all of a sudden we're a very good football team. And now you look back at that LSU game, and think, "God damn, we should have won it. We should be." 7 and one's nice. We should be 8-0. And, oh. <laughs> and That's
2: your finance mindset as well. Connor Tolleson doesn't mess up that snap, and I think we win that game. I honestly do. Um,
1: Tolleson's a problem.
2: Tolleson, and thank you. That's That's been my <laughs> – and you know what? I was getting flack for that all season until the LSU game. The Vanderbilt yeah. game, I had people – I had people, listeners coming after me because they're like, you know, he's still like the highest PFF block rate in his center in the SEC. Okay, but he has to get the ball to cook first for the yeah. blocking to be effective. Um, that is something we got to clip. i um, sorry, uh, mentally, but we think about this if that K State game doesn't go our way, I think we're in a very different season because I think football is a very emotional sport, and I think Drinkwood's might have just been one big shocking win away from getting these guys to hey, buy in a little more, play a little better. You know, what I'm saying, uh, because really LSU was a big win, but that was a weird season. After that is can you you really could not put a stamp on a statement win for him? And nope. I don't think the team really bought in because of that.
1: I think you're 100 percent right. I think you know we played well enough against Kansas State. Had let's say Mivas misses that record setting field goal and we go on to lose. Um we played well, I think better than certainly Kansas State fans would have expected. And I think there, you know, we would have been at a sort of a crossroads where you could looked at it both ways. You could say, look, we were competing with a you know a top 25 team and we nearly won that thing and we're heading in the right direction or you and i know where i would have fallen i've been like this is just another game where we get so close and we find a way to lose we steal a loss from the jaws of victory and he just doesn't know how to win the big game and the pessimism would have an avenue but um it, but you know, and, and I do think uh, there's no reason to think that we wouldn't have gotten better as we have done. But I don't know that we would have been up for the next battle like we have been. And you know, every step of the way, we're doing what we're supposed to do since the Kansas State game, aside from a hiccup in the fourth quarter of LSU. Um, but yeah, I think that was a definite turning point. It's certainly a definite turning point in Drinkwitz's career here. I mean, yeah. that meavis, his foot possibly saved Eli Drenquist's job. Uh, no oh, doubt yeah. about it.
0: And Luke Bauer's arm. I mean, that, <laughs> that's right. That, you yeah. know, uh, how, how pivotal that play was because I thought we were waving the white flag right there mm-hmm. going out to line up for a pun inside the 50. Like, what are we doing here? You know, and yeah. that completely changed. So uh, I think the biggest surprise to me is not so much the record. It's how we got there. Like, we are, we are riding the arm of Brady Cook uh, carrying and the offense carrying this team because the defense hasn't been up. I mean, they played better against South Carolina, but they haven't been up to snuff of what we expected preseason. And so it's, you know, and I, I even made a joke with Case in the preseason, like, well, it, it'll be funny if like defense goes to ass this year and it's offense that is good, you know, but lo and behold, that's what, Actually, I mean, defense hasn't really turned completely cheeks on us, but uh, they haven't been exactly what we're wanting. But they get a really good chance this week uh, against a really good Georgia offense. When you look at their numbers, Georgia, I mean, they're putting up over 500 yards a game. Uh, Carson Beck has, you know, stepped in and elevated the quarterback position, I believe, from what Stetson Bennett had it. Uh, So what – what are your expectations going into this Saturday in Athens?
1: Well, I think, you know, a lot of it will depend on the defense, but Missouri, last I saw, was 17-point underdogs heading into Athens for the road game, despite being now number 14 in the country in both polls. Um, you know, I do think that if I were a non-biased gambler, I would take Missouri in the points in this one. Not that I – I mean, I, I get it. Georgia's the number one team in the country for a reason. All the things you mentioned about their offense. But the thing that gives me a little boost of optimism is certainly the South Carolina game. But three quarters, the last three quarters of that Kentucky game, the Missouri defense really did look better. And it wasn't just the players cutting down on mistakes or getting more aggressive. It looks like we have a little bit different of a scheme now where we're tacking the quarterback And Colin has been calling for this all season long, particularly in the LSU game. He wishes he would have gone after Jaden Daniels. And I do think that might've had an impact because it's one of the best ways to disrupt the passing game is to disrupt the passer. And um, if the defense is really coming on now where the offense has already been clicking, Missouri is going to be a more dangerous team than we've already seen. And, you know, I do think if there is a team built to knock off Georgia unexpectedly, and there may not be, but if there is one, it might just be this Missouri team. I do think playing on the road in Sanford Stadium in Athens is going to be far more difficult, but hey, Missouri's done it before. I mean, not everybody's going to remember that 2013 year where uh, Matty Mock and James Franklin teamed up to beat Georgia, but they shocked the Georgia faithful, and it, it is possible. And I hope that Eli Drinkwitz beats that into the head of these players to know that this is not an impossible task they're doing. We don't have anything to lose. You know, we're 17-point no. underdogs, and no. that really benefits a team like Missouri. I think you know we've all seen Missouri play its worst when we're expected to win. And the game when we're not um, it just reminds me of the 2010 game against Oklahoma, number one in the country. Game day was here. We didn't expect to win that game. We came out of the gates. Those kind of games, you do need to pop them in the mouth early if you want to have a chance. But if we do, it could be, well, it's an opportunity to be one of the most historic games in at least the last decade for Mizzou.
2: No, I agree. It's it's house money. And at this point, you go into that, because hell, let's look at the schedule. You take a loss here. You only got to go two and two the rest of the way out, and it's a good season. Everyone's happy. Drinkwitz, you know, has flipped a lot of haters with a nine and three season. Um, so it's it, basically a worst case scenario. You're everyone's still, you're still going to be ranked. You lose number one, you're not going to fall from fourteen out of twenty five. So this is a great game to really pin the ears back on that defense. Get after, you know, don't be afraid of the big play because the, you know, the consequence of the big play is not as important as maybe you getting the big, you know, tackle the sack. Um, and he said offense is going to roll. I did, I'm not saying Georgia's defense is bad, but I am saying that I do believe in Luther to get open. Or if not, then we's going to be right there. Cooper's having a great season. There's a bunch of weapons. Uh, we can really can really attack this team. And one thing I like is the havoc rate from uh, Baker is always very high. It's been lower this year, but it's, I, I, as you guys have said, it's gotten bigger, better the last couple of games. And Beck is great, but he's a young guy and. That's something we can feast on. That is definitely something I hope Baker has drilled in these guys, is you rattle this kid two or three times, and those throws aren't going to be as crisp, and that gives us a foot in the door.
0: And he's without his favorite target, Brock Bowers, uh, still, and so, I mean, that didn't really slow him down against Florida. Uh, Speaking of the defense and the turnaround that we're starting to see there, uh, the coordinators did the press conferences this week. Drinkwitz took the week off from uh, doing any local press, but uh, Blake Baker said that they've made adjustments and they're getting away from the zone and doing more man to man and doing what the players are comfortable with. And it's just kind of frustrating. Like, why do we take so long to make the adjustment? You know, uh, but hey, we're making the adjustment. And if that's the difference we're seeing, you know, if they made that adjustment starting the second quarter, of Kentucky, I'm all for it. If this is the defense we get to see.
1: Yeah, we. um, my brother hates the soft zone. He's been railing against it for weeks and weeks. It is good to see a movement away from that when it's warranted. And I just – I think everything we've talked about on top of the fact that the bye week couldn't have come at a better time for us. We were walking wounded for a lot of guys who we're going to need in this game. Um, Georgia is coming off the win against Florida. And I think that they might – you know, Florida – it's just hot garbage this year. I'm sorry, they're just not the team that they were. I'm looking for Missouri to beat the shit out of Florida. I'd love to yep. see that, um, you know. And this kind of Missouri team, they're a great team, but they're not a perfect team. They're a flawed team. They can lose to anybody, yep. but they can. Re- I really see an, an avenue for them to beat this Florida team. And I'm hoping that the win over Florida for Georgia thought, hey, we can we can sail past Florida. We can certainly beat this Missouri team. Yeah, yeah because it's that kind of attitude that has gotten sec teams to overlook us in the past and that's when they get burned and it's very easy for sec teams to overlook missouri i mean it's part of what is in their dna is to overlook missouri Um, one thing we talked about is that you know they always compare us to vanderbilt and of course we went to two conference title games early on and if we're, we're good now again and we're beating top tier teams and just think like vanderbilt never does this and here we do it two times in a decade uh, you're going to have to s- find a new point of comparison because we're not Vanderbilt and we're certainly not a low tier, horrible team like Arkansas.
0: There's Although, oh, good, good, good. I was going to say, there's only a couple programs on SEC that could actually talk down to us. Mm-hmm. And it's not usually those fan bases that are talking down yeah. to us.
2: Yeah, it's not uh, South Carolina, who is one of the biggest offenders and oh, historically yeah. is a terrible program. Yeah. Mississippi
1: like, State, I wish we played them more because we caught them in bad years. We're a much better program than Mississippi Absolutely, State.
0: yeah. Uh, you know, and last year, Georgia come in to Columbia uh, and probably looked past us, and we were one yard away of a Cody Schrader run from uh, probably getting out of that game with a win, but Georgia came back and won 26-22. And, you know, the talking heads on national media have said, Oh, Kirby's had this game circled on the calendar. We're going to, you know, we're going to get Georgia's best game, the, the most prepared for us. He's not going to let them look past us. But, you know, if, if we go in there and focus on what this team does, and I think this team is just led different players, are taking accountability, they're leading, they're stepping up. But it's not just like top heavy. Like we've seen so much of true freshmen and underclassmen stepping in and, and playing big key roles. Uh, you know, and so if we go in and just take care of the ball, you know, the false start against LSU, the the two interceptions, we beat ourselves in that game, is how I look at it. And I think most of Mizzou fans would look at it that way. I just don't want to see us beat ourselves against Georgia. Uh, I, I want to see them go in and show that, hey, we had two weeks prepared for this and we're here to play.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you're going to have to minimize the mistakes if you're going to have any chance about of beating the number one team in the country on their home field, obviously. Uh, Missouri has historically not done a great job of taking time out of the bye and looking super prepared, um, particularly in the Odom era, I felt like, but sometimes in the Drinkwits era as well. And I think you're right. You know, it was a close game. It was a real scare for Georgia, really their biggest scare of the season last year. And I understand that that is the narrative that they're going to build for this week because they always got to build a narrative to hype your guys up against whoever you're playing. But they won that game last year. You know what I mean? They came out here. It was close. They got a scare, but they won the game and they moved on to bigger and better things. So there's only so much hype and so much fervor I think you can build in your players. For a game you're talking about a year ago, that you won. That you won. So, um, I get it. And you know, that is going to be the narrative and Kirby Smart's a good coach and he's going to do as much as he can to you know, say, well, it's going to show these guys who they really are, really where they really belong. Last year was an anomaly. But they're going to say that anyway, regardless yeah. of what happened last year. So, um, you know, I expect Georgia to be up because they're the number 1 team in the country. But I also you can't help letting it creep into the back of your head that we're Georgia, they're Missouri, we're gonna cruise control this thing to victory. So, I hope so. Anyway, I'm I'm talking myself into it
2: anyway. No, but I agree with you. And it's funny, you bring, I, I'm glad y'all brought the bulletin Board material up because there was that clip that made its rounds around the Mizzou Twitterverse. Uh, what was it two days ago, three days ago uh, on Paul Feinbaum? When, uh, by the way, we've got a caller on Feinbaum now as Mizzou fan, so that's good. And he's Mary Joe called Drink What's a Young Saban. And uh he had a Georgia guy Paul had a Georgia guy on, which makes sense, SEC. But the first thing he did was go after, I guess he thought Paul had called him a young Saban, and he's went after that. And Paul's like, that's I didn't do that, you know. But I do think he's coach of the year candidate. And he just trashed on drinkwits and us and you know, absolute gave the appearance that now I don't know what Kirby's locker room is like, but gave the appearance that they're still very much same old Mizzou. They don't give a shit, right? Like they didn't care about us how overlooking us as could be. So I like that because, one, I think, might be right, is to them, they say they're mad about last year, but, again, they still won, so that was not that big of a deal. But, two, man, if there's something Drinkwits can play for that locker room or use that as something to get that kind of, you know, because how many teams use that crap against drink? Boston College, I think, only beat us that, what, that was a bad football season for us, but beat us because of Drink made a comment that was mildly, like, mildly infuriating. Like, what was it about, like, not wanting to recruit Massachusetts? Yeah. That's, yeah. That was that was too much for that fan base to handle. Yeah, and that team. Why not use this same thing for our side? Because that was that was downright disrespectful. To hell, I had a podcaster from Kentucky who I we didn't have. We had a guy on. It wasn't him uh, who just follows me and he DM'd me and was like, "I can't believe they said it about you." Like, Drinkman's is Draymond's is a good coach, and I was like, "Yeah, I know. Crazy. I think this is crazy too." So. I mean, if you would have bolt more material, it feels like we've kind of got a little bit of that as well right now. Like we are definitely not getting the respect we deserve being, you know, 14th in the nation.
1: Yeah, I think the, uh, the comments you're talking about, what it really does is it speaks to the overall Southern SEC blue blood attitude towards Missouri, which is they're not going to be mad at us because we almost beat them last year. They're going to be mad at us because we've been in the conversation with them, the same conversation on the Paul Feinbaum show. And how dare you talk about Missouri in the same breath as the Georgia Bulldogs, that they're so inferior uh, that you shouldn't deign to even discuss them. Save that for the end of the show when you got to work it in before the break, but don't talk about us, the Georgia Bulldogs in the same breath as Missouri. That's just, that's too much for us to bear. That's you know, I don't know where this guy lands in the Georgia media sphere. We had somebody say, "Hey, he doesn't represent us. He's a horse's ass." But he does speak for a lot of Georgia fans, I think, when yep. he says, "You know that? that yeah, was has won a few games, but they're going to come back down to earth. It doesn't mean anything." But you know what? I mean, we could go twelve and one or eleven and one. We could. And they'd say, well, the SEC was down that
0: year. Or, oh, absolutely.
1: Oh, we caught yeah. them at a yeah. bad time. Or, yeah. They're just never going to give us any credit for anything. So this is the kind of crap you hear when they talk about Missouri. So it's absolutely bulletin board material. And these guys that came to Mizzou, especially some of the younger guys and drink, put in their ear, you're going to build something special here. And this is when it's going to happen. And you're the reason it's going to happen. And now is the time. This is exactly the kind of shit they want to hear to turn that narrative around.
2: Oh, yeah. Drink recruited all these four stars, big three stars, five stars, here for this game this Saturday. What? Like, this is what he promised. And, yeah. I mean, to Drink's credit, he delivered They've delivered it, you know. But, no, as we said, like, you're going to get a chance to go up against the top dogs with a chance to yeah. beat them. So, you're right. That, that's funny you say that because that is, in my mind, exactly what he's promised all these players. And here it is. Your Super Bowl, your Super Bowl, yes. your Super Bowl is this Saturday. I'll
1: allow it this week. You know, yeah, right? Super Bowl talk. We're playing, <laughs> we're, Georgia.
2: we're filling up that trophy
0: case this year. That's I don't know right. if you, you've noticed that over at Mizogcast, but we are filling it up. I mean, our guys are going to have almost two hands full before the season's over with, with rings. But, uh, you know, it, I was thinking about it this week, and I think a reason a lot of the SEC fan base doesn't like. Mizzou and doesn't want to accept us, a large majority, I'm willing to bet over half of SEC fans are probably Atlanta Brave fans. Uh, <laughs> there's there's not a lot of, of baseball to pick out of, out of the South. And the Braves fans hate the St. Louis Cardinals. And so uh, I think they associate all of Mizzou with uh, the Cardinals. They would be sadly mistaken with Case. I don't I don't think he really cares for the Cardinals. He's Royals all the way uh, with him being a KC guy. But it's like George Brett right there. (laughs) But, you know, just part of me just wonders, like, are they that petty over the Cardinals beating the Braves in the playoffs and like the infield fly rule from – 10
2: years ago or whatever that i don't think they associate <laughs> you know, st louis with our state i think when they think missouri they think like cape Girardeau to like branson That's it. <laughs> that's, you know what i mean I, they never because every time you go like oh podunk missouri and i'm like you live in alabama i live in one of the biggest cities in this country and if i go oh in the 70s another one over there like yeah. it was like oh podunk missouri like no
1: <laughs> so i'm married to a gal from mississippi and go down there quite a bit and i my feeling about the attitude towards missouri is that just if you don't live in the south and when when you're talking to a southerner the further south you go the smaller the south is in their mind you're like if somebody from middle of alabama thinks there's about a 30 mile radius around their house and that's the real south everything else is a little bit more yankee and so missouri is way the hell out and i mean it's practically canada and yeah. <laughs> um they also just don't know anything about anywhere that isn't the South. It is like another country. And it, I, I encountered this. My mother in law asked me <laughs> one of the games. She goes, Are they going to televise the Missouri game this weekend? And I'm like, Yeah, you know, they, they started televising them all, <laughs> believe it or not. Um but she was serious and she didn't mean to be insulting, she just didn't know. She, you know, until I came around, she didn't know Missouri had a team. but that's just the way they are. And like I said, I lived out in Indiana, big 10 countries the same way. If it's not a big 10 school, they don't know shit about it. And so Missouri comes in way out from Canada somewhere. They don't know, you know, if they could point at Cape Girardeau on a map of Missouri, I'd be shocked. you know, they certainly can't find Kansas city, St. Louis. They don't know anything about the state. They don't know anything about Columbia. And uh, so they just assume that because it's not, Far enough south for their liking that it sucks. And that's basically what it boils down to. So, and like I said, it's one thing if you're Alabama or Georgia or LSU or, you know, Florida, even who've had success, but these Mississippi State schools, South Carolina, you know, like where do you get off? You know what I mean? Like, you, if you get on Winsipedia and you start digging into some numbers and what teams have done historically, and they're not going to do that because you got to spell. Uh, you're going to find <laughs> out that um, Missouri's maybe really not quite a shitty and a know-nothing school as you think they are. But, you know, it, there's one thing I think we've all learned about the South over the last 150 years or so, which is slow to change, and uh, 10 years in the uh, SEC isn't enough for them to have changed any attitudes.
2: No, Yeah. You guys, You guys want to hear the most uncertain thing about Missouri ever. Uh, I'm up here in the northwest quadrant of the state. Yeah, Today we had a trunk retreat in Mm -hmm. my uh, wife's little bitty nothing hometown big deer hunting town uh my daughter was a cat my nephew was a u.s uh no he was a u.s uh union soldier general that's what it was so he was (laughs) he was dressed in union garb and i was like oh yeah maybe maybe we aren't so south (laughs) (laughs) or as as union as possible there that's Mm why you want to go it's halloween
1: well i think part of the other thing that makes us not south is you live out in pop Country where I think so, St. Louis is soda country, and of course most of the uh, the Deep South. If you're having a carbonated uh, soft drink, it's Coke. Um, but yeah, no, and it's Columbia so is a weird place because it's like the little pocket of Missouri they used to call Little Dixie. I guess it's technically still is Little Dixie they called it, just because of the people who immigrated up here from were from like Tennessee and Kentucky, and <laughs> the weird. It's got to be one of the few places in the country where they had to. Grant Elementary and a Lee Elementary in the same town. There was a Robert E. Lee Elementary School, which they have since changed the name to. And then there's a U.S. Grant School in Columbia, both. And it's like it certainly wouldn't be in any other southern state, but wouldn't be in any in the northern states either, where you got a Grant and a Lee school mm-hmm. named after them um, in this town. It's um, you know, it's it's sort of a, it's what you get when you're in the middle of the country, I guess, and sort of a blend.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you all, you think Drinkwitz is called uh, Harbaugh up in Michigan and Ann Arbor this week and maybe got some of that film sent about signs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't some Drink interview, he was kind of giving, he said, said something about Michigan. I think he gave yeah, a they, jab to Harbaugh, didn't he?
0: They they asked about uh, headsets going into college football mm-hmm. and uh, being able to talk to the quarterback through the headset. And they said, "Do you do you think like, It'll be a good thing. you said, I think everybody would like it other in Michigan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one thing having a good season has done for Grinkwitz is it's taking the handcuffs off a little bit because he loves to run his mouth. And I think going into this season, he maybe had been told, but he certainly had the idea that he ought not to uh, speak up if he can't back it up on the field. And now that he is backing it up on the field, he can talk shit again.
2: It's a little yeah. more cute now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it, right. It wasn't so cool last year, when we were struggling to win six games. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so let, let's just go ahead and recap it again. The one time Missouri's beat Georgia, October 12th, 2013, we were number 25, Georgia was number seven, beat them 41-26. Last time Georgia lost at home, uh, October 12th, 2019, versus an unranked uh, South Carolina which would have been a Will Muschamp uh, coach team. They lost 20-17. to The last time they lost a regular season game, 2020 versus number eight Florida in Jacksonville. Uh, So it has been 35 regular season games since they have lost. Uh, I believe their last loss would have been uh, SEC championship game two years ago. I think so. So, I mean, they are on the roll but it'll be great to go in and make the whole SEC have a down year. You know, Brock Bowers being hurt. We didn't get their best player. Like, let them come up with their book of excuses and let our Tigers come out with a win. I mean, I think I really feel like a large majority of the fan base sees a way for this to happen.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think, yeah, Georgia has not lost in a long time, but – Nothing lasts forever, does it? You know, it's, uh, it's got to end sometime, and why not for us? I think, you know, was not that drink what's said after he got interviewed after the yeah. big win against Kentucky? It's all, why stop now? Uh, why stop now? So yeah. um, well, I will say this about the Bauer, uh, the Brock Bowers uh, injury, which is I have learned the hard way when we play Georgia not to get too excited about a star player going down because they are so damn deep. And I don't know if you all remember when uh, Todd Gurley, Got suspended right before the Missouri game. was some bullshit NCAA thing where I think it was like uh um signing autographs at a show or something, yeah, and they yeah. decided to slap him on the wrist. So it was like, oh, their best running back, Todd Gurley's gone, you know. And some was kid it Sonny Michel? <laughs> it was Nick Chubb comes in. Nick Chubb, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he ran uh, 143 yards over Missouri and just absolutely I don't think we scored, I don't know, I can't remember the exact score, it was like 30-nothing. Uh, just absolutely obliterated us. And I was like, well, so much for Todd Gurley being out, you know. Uh, but anyway, who knows? There's always uh, there's always backups when you're talking about a team like Georgia. But that being said, I do think, like you mentioned earlier, uh, case our offense can score on anybody. And one thing this season has shown is that they're – you know, Georgia's the top team in the country, but no team has been dominant this year. And the best teams in the country, look at what Oklahoma did against lowly Kansas this year. And granted, Kansas is better than they have been in the past, but they're Kansas. And if Oklahoma is truly the number six team in the country, they don't lose to Kansas. And so, um, but, but all of the top five, top 10 teams have struggled one time or another. And Georgia's really no different. Georgia's had won every game they played, but they barely beat Auburn. And we've yep. seen Auburn sucks you know they um they played South Carolina closer than they would have liked i think it was 24 to 14 they beat South Carolina even Vanderbilt put up 20 points on Georgia so you know the Vanderbilt performed almost as well as or better than Florida did so this is not a perfect team at Georgia either and so i don't think that we should look at this as a completely lost cause and just like you know if we Come within two touchdowns if we cover the spread, be happy. No, look at this game as something that we can win if everything goes right.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's you know what? It's good. To, it's just good to have hope versus Georgia now because yeah, the last multiple seasons it hell be a game I will not watch halftime. You know what I mean? I'll just get I'll get the highlights later because I knew where it was going. You know? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, the
0: the other football news. Uh, the in-state five-star receiver Wingo that, you know, all the crystal balls were leaning toward Mizzou, uh, he committed to Texas, was that Thursday? And, you know, I think about all Mizzou fans are done with anybody with the last name Wingo
2: as far as recruit goes,
0: huh? Oh my God. Yeah.
2: Y'all want to hear a, a story about, um... Oh, the Wingo we lost to LSU, what's his first name? McKay, McKay. or Makai. Yeah. His family was tailgating right next to Brett and I's big tailgate uh, LSU game, and we didn't want to make any food, so we just went to Casey's and got like a stack of like breakfast pizzas and stuff and regular pizzas. We had a little thing in the truck to keep them warm, so we are going to eat half of them there, take the other half, watch the games afterwards. Uh Brett went to his family trying to be nice and offer him like a slice of pizza, and they just took, like, seven of our pizzas and put them in their car. (laughs) And Brent didn't know what to do. They just so that like, robbed us blind. (laughs) So, yeah, anyone's last name, Wingo, can kick rocks. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) His mom was like, yeah, I'll take some, and just, like, put them in the back of their car real quick.
1: Does that count as an NIL deal?
2: (laughs) I think he may have inadvertently gave him an NIL deal, yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean... I see a lot of Mizzou fans really bummed about this. And for me, it's like if he had signed, it would have been a huge shot in the arm for where our program is already going. But the fact of the matter is our program's headed there anyway. Um, Luther Burden, June, Luther Burden the third was a f- tremendous get for Drinkwitz. Yep. And a, he, what he's doing this season validates the decision to come to Missouri and it validates Drinkwits for picking the right guy. It would have been great had Wingo come here. I personally have just built a wall around my heart when it comes to the decisions of 17-year-old children, essentially, Mm -hmm. and what they're going to do for their college career, especially in the world of NIL deals. And you just cannot help what some billionaire booster does when he writes checks to 17-year-old athletes. You just can't count on it. In fact, you can't even count the guy out. Who knows? He might switch. It's
0: It's it's not December 9th yet.
1: Yeah, just like Oklahoma's ready to switch uh, our recruits back to them. Yeah. The thing is, um, it it would have been great. It didn't happen. But I, I do not get so worked up about the recruiting front because I have enough heartache watching Mizzou on the field week in and week out. I don't need additional heartache based on, you know, kids sitting in a gymnasium somewhere throwing hats on the floor and picking the wrong yeah. one Um, it I don't know I don't I also I will say this I don't wish him well <laughs> a lot of people are like well I wish you well I hope everything goes out for you I don't wish him harm but it's the same with Dominique Lovett you know he left us to go to an in division rival at Georgia and he hasn't gotten a lot of play since he's been to Georgia and I don't feel bad for him you know what I mean? Like he he left my team, so I'm not gonna like go out of my way to say, Oh, I hope everything works out for you, Dominic Love. It no, you know, I'm not gonna say go fuck yourself, but I also am indifferent to your plight. <laughs> yeah, for real. But <laughs>
0: well, I, I actually in my mind tried to just be captain optimistic over here, but I think you looked at the wide receiver room at Mizzou and saw how stacked and loaded it still is. Uh you know, we've got four stars right the bench right now that are waiting for their turn. Uh Joshua Manning's got a little bit of playing time, but not a whole lot. Uh Daniel Blood, uh Marquise Johnson's true freshman, you know. So and then you get James Madison coming in from Florida. He had three touchdowns in the first half the other day, uh, on his senior day game, uh in his high school football game but he plays it one uh, of,
2: like biggest schools like in the state yeah. like talent wise no nope. so
0: i i think we're okay in the receiver okay. room yeah I, I think wingo saw texas saw they're losing quite a bit of talent this year out of that room and so he sees quicker chance to go to the field now the stuff about they develop their receivers and they get the ball to the receivers like that's all bs you don't have to say all that crap because the numbers <laughs> you know the numbers don't justify that I think Mizzou has two receivers with more yards than any Texas receiver right now. Yeah. Uh well that was before their game Saturday, so I don't it, it might change now, but uh Mizzou has no problem getting receivers developing them and getting the ball to them. So you know, good luck yeah. to you.
2: No, and I think what you said and what uh Brennan said is a good combination because it's I think he's still getting good. High-end talent, like I said, Madison, I think is going to be a stud. But also, we don't need to get super strung out on what these seventeen-year-olds choose because, yep. man, drinks build a good coaching staff. Peeler, I think Jacob Peeler is one of the best receiver coaches in the country, and he's he's developing guys really well. Like you said, we've got a bunch of talent. Hell, we got one of Old Miss's old five stars on our bench. We took Oklahoma's five-star Theo, we who is good, but you know, we we made him a lot better, you know, in just one off season. So yeah, I also got to the portal. He has made some. We made some good portal additions, and uh this is a different era of college football we live in now. These number one recruiting classes don't do as much for you. Hell, drink second best class is already pretty much decimated, right? Like a bunch of those yeah. guys left, or bench writers, you know. Um, So, man, it's a different era where you get to you get to see a guy t- get a test drive on their team first, and if you want to pay for him, you can get him here. I mean. That's what Austin Firestone was. They saw a freshman, a three-star freshman who had good potential at Northwestern. Northwestern's kind of in the toilet right now, and it threw me like, "Hey, come play, come play at Mizzou." So, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get picked like Dom Levitt, but we're gonna pick a lot of guys as well. And I think that's as big a part, if not bigger, than the seventeen-year decisions now.
1: Yeah, I th- well, and if like you said, there was if there was ever a unit that Missouri could afford to whiff on one year, it's our wide receiver core right now. So that's. You know, as great as it would have been, and it would have been great. I think you would have played immediately. Five star guys do. That's what yeah. they bring to you. And um, but at, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, the whole transfer portal situation. You know, you, you can't get too hurt about what happens in the off anymore because you will lose Dom Lovitz. You will lose out on your wingos. You, you but for every Lovitz you lose, you get a hopper on defense, or yeah. you know, you get a yeah. you get a, a on uh, offense. And, God, when you got a guy like Burden drawing double teams, it's just going to make these other receivers look much better than they yeah. than they were before. And then, God, I'm just going down a rabbit hole now, but uh, Northfleet at the tight end position actually getting used, just licking our chops and looking at what we're capable of doing yeah. on offense.
0: But you just like 10 years ago under Coach Gary Pinkle, I mean, we, we've had a little eye of recruiting, but it wasn't like – we weren't worried about trying to get top ten classes, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's about getting the guys on campus and developing them, and fitting them to your system or fitting your system around them and utilizing their skill set. That's that's what makes good a good football team. It's not that five star rating don't really necessarily translate to college ball. Uh, it's great when it does, but you know, there's three stars and guys that don't even get stars that turn into all pro NFL players. Uh, so you can't get too hung up on that, but it is something we did have to talk about. And then, uh, Brendan, I don't know if you, you keep up with, with wrestling. Uh, I know Case and I are pretty, uh, happy and excited for the wrestling season coming up, but, uh, Keegan O'Toole won the world championship for under 23 year old in his weight class last week. So Man, I'm excited to get him back in there and see if he go for a three peat But uh that sport's getting ready to ramp up and I think we're
2: working on getting a, a wrestler or two to come on the show here. Yeah. There's uh, a couple there's a couple of hunters on there that wanna come on. That's what that's what Cole said. So he's kind of working that one for us. Um they're doing their black and gold game soon too, right? They're doing it here at my part of the state in Staley, I believe. Okay. So that's cool. I don't know if I'll be able to go to that, but that is a that's a pretty cool I guess they they just move around the high schools and recruit the hell out of those kids. You know what I mean? Get every every big wrestling kid in the state.
1: Crazy thing about wrestling is that before Brian Smith came along, Missouri wasn't a powerhouse wrestling school. And if there's a college football or college athletic program that's more like static as far as like the blue bloods are always at the top and the other schools have no chance of ever climbing the ladder, it's wrestling and football. Those are the two programs that like it's the same schools every year and brian smith did something that is thought impossible which is just made missouri a powerhouse wrestling program and frankly i'm surprised we don't have you know this like the team champ national championship yet there because uh if ever there was a program that was going to happen this is you would think this would be it that's the one yeah they're such a dominant force um i will admit uh, and i'm not a big wrestling guy i didn't grow up with it um you know, I see cauliflower ears and balls in your face a little bit, and it's just like, I don't, don't get <laughs> I don't it. know
2: about that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but, but I get that, you know, Missouri is really good at it, and the guys who compete in the sport are some of the best guys. Um, you know, they're the nicest guys to talk to and really good natured. And I'm always excited that Missouri's representing well in that sport. I, I do want to go back one thing with the recruiting stuff. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> you're good. Which is, um, with the transfer portal and nil stuff i will say like these message boards and the rival sites and i know if you all listen to our show you know we kind of take a dump on gabe jarman and company a little bit but man those sites have and they there's no inside dope anymore like nobody has the goods on anything you know you're just as likely to get it on a social media network like so twitter and even then it's not right like nobody knows anything anymore and those places used to be where you get like here's what's going to happen paying for been, the inside
2: noise there yeah
1: yeah and it's you know i'm sure people have there's reasons why they get on there and there's people that have more better information than others but good lord it you know i i'm sure that Gabe the information at the time he had it where he had missouri is like a 90 chance of landing wingo was right but you just don't know until the hat gets thrown on the ground, what's really going to happen. And they used to know, you know, it used to be more defined and it's crazy now how it is just the wild west. That
2: is Such a good point. You're right. Those places built their whole foundation on that. We get the dirt from us, but you're right with these social medias I've gotten. I've seen tweets from kids like Mizzou students. who hear something from a player in class, it ends up being worth more weight than what comes from one of those websites. Yeah, and that's crazy. Right. That's You
1: never know until it happens if it's exactly. true or not, but it, sometimes it is.
2: Yeah. All
0: right, Brendan, I want to ask you before we get off here and end this episode, uh, you know, a lot of hype coming into this athletic year was Dennis Gates and what he's doing with the basketball program. It's kind of went on the back burner with the success on the football field. Uh, but, what do you anticipate for this year and in the future with Dennis Gates at the helm of Mizzou basketball?
1: I don't know if you all are hearing the same sort of talk that I am, the sort of like whispers about the new guys coming in and the rebuilt roster that Dennis Gates is putting together. But there's like a huge sense of optimism and I'm talking stuff like, Missouri's going to contend for the national championship this year, and Missouri's going to have the best team they've put on the court since early Norm Stewart days. Like huge expectations, sort of quietly building about this program. And I think nobody wants to jump out and say it just yet because nobody's seen these guys play, but apparently the team is gelling. I mean, we've seen what Dennis Gates can do as far as rebuilding a roster in a single year already with what he took from Conzo Martin's former squad what he brought in from Cleveland state and just what he managed to find in the transfer portal and gelling them into a program that can win. And now we've got a whole new batch of guys that uh, apparently a lot of the coaching staff and a lot of the guys who have seen the team early really like, I mean, he's built early confidence and early trust with just a, a wonderful turnaround in one year. And we personally we felt validated because we were so down in conzo Martin. A lot of the conzo defenders would say, you know, like, hey, you gotta stick with a guy forever and ever and ever. And even though it looks terrible, you're just not seeing it the right way. You gotta look at the spreadsheet I put together. It tells you you actually were a good team.
0: <laughs>
1: and you can't change the, you can't change a team. You can't change a culture in one year. When well, this gates came in and said, You all don't know what you're talking about. I'm gonna change a culture yeah. and change a team in one year. So um you know, I, I've been all in on football, obviously, this season because things have been so fun and so good. But uh, I think expectations are going to be really high for Dennis Gates to follow up in a sophomore campaign here. And um, <coughs> one win in the NCAA tournament, which is one more win than Conzo Martin or me have ever had coaching the Missouri Tigers. That's what I always said about Conzo Martin. We, I am tied with him as far as NCAA tournament wins at Missouri. Um I mean, the sky's the limit. So I'm really excited about basketball season. I'm excited to be at a time where Mizzou football and basketball are good at the same time because that's been so rare in my life. Yes.
2: Yep.
0: (laughs) All right. So over the summer, we did a segment called Summer in Front of the Fan where we invited fans to come on and just talk about how they became a Mizzou fan and whatnot. But we're going to give it to you. You get to pick a Mizzou National Championship. What sport are you picking?
1: <laughs> well, I've done a podcast about football for the last ten years. Here, so, um, I feel like I might have my thumb on the scales here a little bit.
2: <laughs>
1: I do, but I will say, uh, and I know I bet there's a lot of people that would say basketball because of growing up, basketball. It's about fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fans. Honestly, if you're going to talk about what will catapult the rest of your athletic department, what will catapult your school brand and reputation, there's nothing that can compare to football. No. Um, if we were to somehow win a college football national championship, and I don't think people realize how close we have been to that, um, that there's just nothing that could compare to that. And certainly it would be the pinnacle of my sports Fandom, I would say, because I grew up a Cardinals fan in that 2011 World Series victory where we all, we're down to the last strike twice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard for me to even rebuild that enthusiasm for the Cardinals that I once had because I've been to the mountaintop already. You know, it just would be uh, circling the track again. So if Mizzou football could do that, it would be fantastic. I mean, um, look. You know, the women's tennis team, they get a national championship. I'm going to be really happy for them, but probably not on the scale that I would be if football won.
2: I know we're getting low on time, but you said something that I wanted to mention because I felt that way. And I'm, I've been afraid to like, to say it out loud is, I feel like Mizzou is so important to me now because when I was younger in college, I saw the Royals win World Series. And that was the first championship I ever saw. So like, I was like in tears in downtown Kansas City crying, right? In my, in my alcohol. Then I saw the Chiefs winning championship. Again, losing my mind. That only leaves one more, like, you know, quest on my teams. And it feels like the hardest one to get. Mm-hmm. But as you say, the, the Chiefs played a terrible game today. It lost. And it doesn't hurt like it does if Mizzou does that because I've seen them to the pinnacle twice. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's right. I've seen it. I have not seen Mizzou do it. And it, it's 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 kind of stuck in my crawl. And I, I want that one more than anything now. So I, I'm glad you said that because now it does not – I can't build a say emotion up now. I do for the Chiefs and Royals because damn, Zoo is the my last one.
1: Yeah, the last but, ring. Yes, I'll, yeah.
0: I'll I'll agree with you on the football and just I feel it's more respected. Like nobody fears UConn. <laughs> yeah, you know when they're they're defending national champions of basketball, but if you ask most people, walk up to them on the street, hey, who, who won the national championship in football last year? A large portion is going to know Georgia. Yeah, if you say who won the national championship in basketball,
2: a bunch of them are probably going to have to think. Every time and- I hear Baylor won one in the last five years, I have to go, what? Oh yeah, that's right." You know what? <laughs> okay, yeah, they did. They did do that. Yeah, that's right.
0: So you're definitely going to get more respect and more national recognition through the football. Uh, I mean, it's top dollar sport as it is. Uh, the dollars don't lie, but. Man, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, just in case anybody's been living under a rock and knows nothing about Mazodcast, do you want to want to tell us uh, where we can find you?
1: Well, wherever fine podcasts are sold, you know, uh, Mazodcast has been around. We, I think, we always put out the link to the Apple Podcast or iTunes or whatever they call it these days. But we're available all over the place. Um, wherever you get your podcast, it's Mazodcast M I Z Z O D C A S T hard to spell, hard to pronounce. That's how we know how to market. Um, but yeah, we've been doing the show for a long time. And uh, we if you don't like cuss words, probably not the show for you. We're, we let it fly. Um, but anyway, we, we pretty much tell it like it is, I think. So uh, we're always looking for new listeners. We try to have a good time on the show. And I certainly appreciate you giving us the chance to uh, promote ourselves a little bit.
0: Hey, we, like I said, we would not be a thing without y'all. I mean, y'all were the motivation. So I kind of look at y'all as the godfathers yeah. <laughs> of, of, uh, Woods, Water, Mizzou, but big game Saturday, two 30 on CBS, I believe it is, or is it three 30? Two 30. Okay. Time. So, uh, man, I know we're all going to be tuned in. We're going to be on our emotions are going to show on next week's episode, whether it be high or low, but, Uh, Look forward to it. Y'all have a good week. And as always, M-I-Z.
2: Z-O-U.